Welcome to Conversations Live. For more than a decade, we've brought you the best in books, entertainment, celebrity interviews, and current events. When the movers and shakers of the world have something to say to you, they say it to us first. Here's your host, Cyrus Webb. Welcome back, everyone, to Conversations Live. I'm your host, Cyrus Webb. Glad you all could join us once again. Before a radio audience here in Mississippi at WYAD 94.1 FM and WYADonline.com, we're glad that you all could be with us. Also, tuning in through online affiliates around the world, we're glad you all could be with us as well. When we think about color, a lot of things may come to mind. We may think about our favorite colors or the way that we actually see people, how we describe people. But how much of color has also to do with the way we look at ourselves in life? Well, our next guest has written a book that really does tie in, I think, this interesting aspect of color and make us kind of think about color in a different way. We're excited to welcome back best-selling author Keith Record to our program. He's celebrating this year his new book, Deep Color, The Shades That Shape Our Souls. We'll talk to Keith not only about his own love and journey with color, but also what it's been like for him and his books to be able to share that with all of you. If you guys are not following Keith, we'll let you know where to find him. Keith, thank you so much for the time. Really appreciate it. Oh, thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure to be back. So, Keith, I want to talk about this conversation about color because it, it's, you know, for some people, they automatically, when you hear the word color, they're going to think about race, right? But I love the fact that you're able to talk about color in the beautiful spectrums that we're used to seeing, right, where they're talking about, you know, the rainbow, the, the flowers, the different variety that's out there. What is this conversation about color? What has it been like for you to kind of be a part of? It's, it's a long journey for me, Cyrus. Uh, I started my fascination with color off as quite a young person. And, um, you know, it came into focus for me in my early high school years when I was sort of, okay, I admit it, forced to read the work of Nathaniel Hawthorne. <laughs> there was a story called Rappuccini's Daughter uh, about a visitor to uh, Italy who looks down from his rented room into the garden of a neighbor and sees a beautiful girl in purple and falls immediately in love. And it turns out that her father is an alchemist and he's given her doses of poison since she was born. So she is essentially all poison by the time he meets her. And this bewitching color, I realized at a certain point, was the message. The color was the bewitching. The color was the attraction. The color was the danger. And it started me off on this kind of crazy journey. I'm still on deciphering all the messages that color brings to us. Yeah. You know, it's it's funny, you know, it, I don't know if you remember this Keith, but we actually connected now uh, a decade ago uh with the book Panton. Mm-hmm. That, that that's how we first connected. And I didn't right. speak with you with the with the following book, but I'm so glad to have you back now. So so definitely shout out to to Leslie Rossman for setting this up with us. I think this is such a great thing because color has been such a big part of your life, and I love the fact that you share that story. So when you're having conversations with people and they talk about colors, we think about our favorite color. You know, it's one of the questions that people are asked a lot. What has it been like for you to see how color has impacted their their lives? It really is interesting. You know, I could cite a statistic that we talk about at the Pantone Color Institute, which is that 85% of the decision to purchase is based on color alone. So color grabs us right off the bat as one of the primary tools we use to organize our thinking, to categorize things, to identify them, to kind of rely on that we understand their characteristics. It's really fascinating to see people talk about their favorite color, and then when you start to ask them, you know, what that really means, 
it slowly dawns on them, you know, the combination of cultural and personal associations that they carry with them uh, in that favorite color. It's kind of amazing. It is amazing. And I think in the time since you and I first connected, going back to Chronicle Books days, uh, it seems like forever ago now these days. But, uh, you know, it's, so now here we are in 2022. It, it, you know, to think about the, the title of the new book, Deep Color, and, and I love the fact, you know, there is this whole idea of looking beyond just what we see. Talk to us about that and kind of how the new book came about. Well, Deep Color actually came out of a series of lectures that I gave at my daughter's high school as a part of their media literacy unit. So their English department was taking them through these exercises about, okay, what are the words being used? How is the story being framed? Who's telling you that story? What's the media organization? What's the evidence? How do you check in order to believe that something is or isn't true? And uh, so I was asked to come in and talk about how color is used as a persuasive device in branding and advertising and packaging, even in imagery, you know, as we become more and more an image-based communications society, uh, how is color used to convince? So I went through some of the, just the main ideas brought forward by each color. So red, power, sexuality, attraction, blue to some degree, heavenly, dependable, uh, virtuous, even folksy and everyman sort of feeling, and so on and so forth. And wow, the kids just, I talked about it in the introduction to Deep Color, the kids just took off. It's like all of a sudden a door opened for them and they started to decode their world uh, and their, you know, the, the brands and the messages and the ads coming to them all the time through this lens of color. What am I being asked to think? What is the argument being made by the color I'm seeing? And I think it, it empowered them to step back a little bit and become more effective digesters of all this stuff that comes our way every day. Keith, I love that story. And I think, too, to get young people in particular to think uh, about these things in a deeper way is definitely a cool thing. I want to talk about the journey from true colors to deep mm-hmm. color in another way, because I thought the other thing when I was prepping for this segment, Keith, was that as we think about beauty, we think about what we want, what we like, what we feel like we want to have, there is sometimes a price associated with that, a cost that we don't always want to think about or maybe in you know in our selective ignorance we choose not to think about, right? You kind of dive into that in true colors. Talk to us about this when it comes to deep color, uh, Keith, about the danger of not seeing beyond color and and being able to realize there's something more well true colors tells the story of stories of 26 masters of natural dyes and pigments from 13 countries around the world and i wrote that book because i really think that as consumers we need to rethink how much and how often we consume and there's a great way you know going back to the materials being used and the people who make those materials and everything that goes into the product that we buy. So my argument is that, you know, going the closer you get to nature, the less the waste, the less harmful the waste. And maybe the closer we get to the people who make the things, the more we could place value on the things that we buy, the things we wear, the things we touch every day. Because if we value them, as opposed to treating them like disposable garbage, we'll stay in a relationship with them for a longer period of time and we'll consume less Without any, satis- without any sacrifice of satisfaction. 
You see what I mean? If we love what we have more, then we hunger less uh, to consume even more. And that's going to be so important as we, you know, as we face the environmental crisis that we're in the middle of. Yeah. Do you feel as though people are are starting to open up to the idea, Keith, that we have to make things bigger than ourselves? Um, that because that seems to be another connection here with the with the with the books, and it's no surprise to me that the new book is already an Amazon bestseller in the top 100. Because I think there is a fascination with these things. But do you think people are getting to a place where they're trying to figure out exactly what their what their interests, what their tastes, what what they want is kind of saying about them and how they see the world? That's such a such an insightful question, sir. I think. As we look at one of the big forces in our lives, uh, the Internet and all the media that we consume, we'd have to say that the risk is that we become overwhelmed, discouraged, and cynical, right? In the, in the face of all this stuff coming our way, we could just shut it off and say, God, I can't have another thing in my mind. But the benefit might be that we do begin to perceive ourselves probably more accurately and more appropriately as one individual in a big context and that in fact because we are in a big complicated context it matters what we do and think so the upside of being connected is that we are connected and we have the information and the perspective to make better choices all the time so my hope with these books is that you know really with deep color in particular it gives you the tools to take a half a step back away from passion and the immediate reaction to what comes our way and it gives us a second to say hey wait a minute just because something is red and ignites my desire right my sort of carnal impulses doesn't mean that it's going to satisfy me it just means I'm being fired up by the use of all this red so do I want this is this a good thing is this going to live up to its promises should I consume or should I just well, maybe enjoy walk down the aisle and say, hey, that's pretty sexy. Don't need it, but pretty Right? Yeah. You know, you bring up an interesting point here, and I, and I think as we're having this conversation, we're going to let our audience know, Keith, how they can be able to stay connected with you. You, you bring up um, the Internet, and, of course, one thing that has changed in the decade since you and I were first connected is the, the rise of social media and the ways that advertising and marketing have definitely yeah. evolved. And I think anyone who looks at an ad, to the point that you're making, I think if we're able to think about it, that we think about the things that do kind of draw us in, right, to products, to think. And a lot of times it is, you know, it is the color. It is the way it looks, you know, and, and that is what kind of, you know, we're responding to. What has that been like for you to look at, the changes that have happened in the way that things are, are marketed and that we as consumers uh, are being marketed to. What has that been like for you to kind of look at and the impact it's having? Yeah, as, as, as it gets more intense, as we, we become more and more bombarded with imagery, <clears throat> and as it gets more personal, right? You mentioned uh, the rise of social media. Well, the rise of social media includes the advertising that comes our way now, packed up in a micro-targeted manner to really get to us. So it's almost like we need more tools to dissect this experience than we ever did. Um, so I find it really, I mean, I don't know about you, Cyrus, but I, I have learned to kind of train my eyes 
not to go to the ads because I just want to stay focused on, you know, why I show up on social media from time to time. My friends, right? <laughs> right. But it's, it's work. And the game of temptation and the game of marketing uh, is pretty profound these days. So I feel like That's we do need some tools. Yeah. Such and a great also, point. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go, go ahead, Gabe. I was going to say, too, one of the things, not to, not to put our feet into a difficult topic, but another thing that's changed since we last spoke uh, is the way in which, you know, our political environment um, starts to try to sell us on particular positions, particular takes on things. And even embedded in those uh, communications, uh, we see color being used as a persuasive technique. Color being used to create the sensation of an emergency, color being used to create the sensation of belonging or excluding. It's really fascinating to be able to just breathe a little bit, take a step back, and realize how we're being targeted, how we're being um, manipulated, if you will. Keith, uh, and I'm so glad you said that, and thank you for that. What I, what I was going to ask you, and it kind of ties perfectly in what you just said, are you finding that it is is more generational now? Mm, that's a good question. I would say that the ways in the, the platforms that reach us do have a generational divide, right? People 45 and older, if they're online receiving information, you know, it's kind of Facebook, it's kind of traditional media. Uh, the younger you get, of course, the platforms are different. So their TikTok or their Instagram, you know, it's more more of this sort of newer social media stuff. But in point of fact, when you receive an advertisement or when you see a video reel, when you see, you know, type, you are being communicated with through color as we have always been, whether it was nature speaking or, you know, humankind speaking, we are being communicated with by color all the time. And again, you know, just an easy, easy example. If neon green is being used in a political ad to create the sensation of a dire emergency, right, a potentially toxic emergency, we deserve the chance to draw breath, to step back and say, okay, is this really a dire toxic emergency or is this tr someone trying to whip me up into a frenzy, right, to have their way with me? That's really, you know, that's really one of the things I'm, I'm super interested in helping people address. It's like, okay. I see what they're saying. Do I necessarily believe it? Do I have to act on it? Et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And I think to, to go a step further, as we've uh, all heard, Keith, about beauty being in the eye of the beholder, even if it is something that we feel, then trying to push it off on someone else, right? Because because someone may like a certain piece of artwork. It doesn't mean everyone's going to like that piece <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. artwork, or, or it's <laughs> not going to be true. their favorite. You know, just because something is my favorite color does not make it your favorite color, and it doesn't mean that you're wrong. Because you know, I I like this color, and you know, I don't understand why you don't like this color. So I, I guess my question would be then, Keith, what was your hope? You, you talked to us about kind of you know where this all began with these discussions uh, in in a classroom. What 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 was your hope with this book that it did when people picked it up and explored it? Yeah, well, I was hoping that, that people could sort of transcend some of the labels that get assigned. You know, the, there's a big section in the book, just to give an example, uh, about the color yellow, 
right? Where we move from, gosh, all the beautiful sunshine, uh, and the reason that we think of sunshine as yellow, to things like the, the smiley face of the 60s and 70s. Remember that bright yellow smiley face with the big smile, uh, which translates pretty quickly after that 1990s uh, into the emoji language, right, which right. started in Japan and is now something we see every single day. But yellow also has a less sunny character. It's frequently in history been used to label people as outsiders. So the, the, the Albigensian crusade in, in Europe is the only crusade that happened uh, in Europe uh, upon Europeans to snuff out one particular Christian sect called the Cathars. Um, a yellow cross was used to label them as heretics. And you can just sort of get in a time machine and travel all the way to the 20th century where yellow was used in the shape of the Jewish star to label Jews as outsiders in Nazi Germany. And I, I think it's an invitation to really consider how color is used uh, to label people, you know, mostly for purposes of exclusion, uh, not to get transfixed by it, to really be able to say, hey, wait a minute, you know, that's, you're painting people with a pretty broad brush there. That's, that's unwarranted. So my hope is really to create a little bit of critical capacity. And, you know, honestly, Cyrus, to do it in a really enjoyable way. To, to illustrate a book with beautiful, compelling pictures, to create a well-written book so that people really could make their way all the way through, uh, what, Isaac Newton's rainbow plus black, white, and pink, and enjoy the process. <laughs> yeah, right. And I think, again, that's the great thing about books. They have the way of being able to connect us, um, to unite us, to inspire us, but also, I think, to, um, to help us to, to look at things in a different perspective, which is why we're so glad to have you. Again, everyone, Keith Recker has been our guest. The new book is Deep Color, The Shades That Shape Our Souls. Again, as I mentioned, you guys can go over and go to Amazon, be able to order the hardcover edition there. But, Keith, how can our audience be able to get the book from the publisher? Yeah, if you go to shifferbooks.com, that's S-C-H-I-F-F-E-R, shifferbooks.com, they're shipping immediately. Um, And I'd love for people to follow along with me in my color journey on Instagram at thechromosapien.com. That's C-H-R-O-M-O, thechromosapien.com. Love it. Love it. Keith, congratulations to you again. Again, as I mentioned, already an Amazon bestseller. Congratulations to you on that, and definitely looking forward to our next chat together. Oh, me too. Really, really nice talking to you again. Okay, same here. And we thank your audience for tuning in to another great segment of Conversations Live. Until next time, I'm your host, Cyrus Webb, saying as always, enjoy your day, enjoy your life, enjoy your world. Thank you all for choosing Conversations Live, and let's go make today amazing. Take care. <laughs>